What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, June 26, 2022, and this week's episode, UFC 276. It's officially back. We'll be talking about the latest, UFC Vegas 57, just taking place on Saturday. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, Bellator 282, and what it means for the big picture going forward, some shakeups over at the PFL, and of course we'll break it down. It is officially International Fight Week. We have several events coming up, but it all leads to the pay-per-view on Saturday with the championship doubleheader and one of the most stacked undercards of the year, so we'll be getting into all that. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. How are you staying cool these days? It's been like uh, 130 degrees in a lot in uh, Southern California. <laughs> Full disclosure: I went to work before I got there, and I swear, like, like I opened, and the place was like 88 degrees inside. So that 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 was how my morning started. <laughs> they were like, "Dude, we're gonna like lose a couple pounds just working this shift." Like, they, don't get me wrong, the AC got turned down, you know, but. Yeah, that's how my morning went. This was one of the hotter days. Like, this was like the first day where I was like, like, this just hurts. Like, the heat just hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, uh, it's bananas. And like, driving in the car, blasting the AC, and I look down at the temperature gauge and it says 101. I'm like, what? And it's like, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's been hot. Uh, stay hydrated, my friends. Yep. Um, Natalie, you know who else is bringing the heat? Armin Sarukian and Matus Gamrot on Saturday, <laughs> just because that works out so nicely. Uh, you know what? I'm going to just say it right now. I get it. Neither of these guys have really fought a, quote, star. They were both on their way up. You have a lot of things to do with your time. You probably want to catch up on some movies. You know, there's Jurassic Park. Sorry, Jurassic World. Top Gun Maverick. You know, you got something else to do with your time. You were sleeping on this one. These dudes brought it. They knew they had a great showcase. There was just, I don't want to call it bad blood, there, but there was a little bit of pride and ego. This was a bragging rights kind of fight, and they fought like it. Five rounds. Sarukian looks so good early. You talk, if you go online, it was all about the scrambles. They'd go for takedowns. They would just... Uh, literally that scramble, change position, improve position, get back to the feet, keep throwing at a high clip, uh, cracking each other, leg kicks, body kicks, it was all there. Um, I mean, just, you know what, Natalie, I'll just toss it to you because people, I get it, you don't recognize these two. After Saturday night, I can't wait to see both of them throw down with somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah, they they put on an amazing show. They, you know, it's one of those cards, uh, headliners where you're just like, okay, I believe in the UFC brand. So they wouldn't give these two guys with really good records a main event slot if they weren't worth it. Um, But you still may not have been super familiar with them. So if you tuned in, then you got your money's worth or your time's worth. And uh, yeah, you described it so well. Back and forth, the grappling exchanges were Extremely impressive. Uh, Sarukian's body kicks 
I mean, they kept replaying those because the sound on those was were, was wicked. So it was an exciting fight, man. They really they really gave it to the fans, and now people know the names of, of Sarukian and Gamrot. So good stuff. Yeah. Um. Look. So split decision. No, unanimous decision yeah. went to Gamrot. Um, Sarukian, by the way, he had the uh, good message. He said, look, I thought I won. I'll be back. 25 years old. He's only going to get better from a fight like this one. I mean, he was on a great run. Young guy, like I said. He was always the, you know, that that was his biggest thing is that his career, especially UFC, he's fought guys who are older. Yes, I think he has more fights than Gamrot, ironically, but the fact is he was still developing. He's still becoming that finished product. And what we saw Saturday, he's going to get there. I have no doubt about it. Go back to the gym. Learn from this one. He's going to be even better the next time out. I'm not worried. Uh, For Gamera, I think the biggest thing that I saw was his experience. For people who don't know, KSW is like the LFA of of Poland. They have churned out... I I believe Blahovic was their champion, if I'm not mistaken. Ariany Lipski... Um, a lot of people, ironically, not Joanna, if I'm not mistaken, but the fact is they are a very big show in Poland. And really, if you're doing your thing in KSW, the next step is almost always UFC. Like, I, I think anyone who has be, been a star in KSW, they've either been picked up by UFC or one of the um, promotions in Asia. And Gamrot was a two-division champion, I know, obviously, their UFC careers, Sarukian, I believe, had more. The fact is, I think Gamrot's experience in five-round high-stakes fights really paid off for him. Because although Sarukian was winning those early rounds, I think a really big key was the fact that Gamrot kind of forced him to keep answering the bell. He kept, you know, he kept pushing it. He kept forcing Sarukian, essentially, like, hey, look, you, you're younger. You feel like you're getting in control of this fight. I'm going to force you to keep up this pace. Sarukian was winning those early rounds, but I think it's the fact that Gamrot just outlasted him late. That's essentially what got the job done. So both of them start to slow down, but Sarukian more so. Uh, suddenly the takedowns start working for Matus. Suddenly just he's getting fist to face a little bit more frequently. And I think that's essentially what won him that decision late. It was a competitive one. If you told me Armand did enough in the first 15 minutes, I'm not mad at it, but that was just a close one. But I do believe that championship experience, that five-round high-stakes experience, that's essentially what paid off for Gamrot. What about you? Yeah, I, I guess that's that's what did it. Look, I, I, I'm one of those people that thought Armand won it um, from the early on round, earlier rounds, but, you know, I, I can see why it went the other way. And, uh, yeah, I mean... You have to be able to, when it's something like this, going back and forth, closer than close, you have to be able to look the part too. And so Gamrot had the experience and the ability to look the part all the way through. And Sarukian, I mean, I don't know if I've <laughs> seen a more dejected um, fighter at the end of a, of a loss there in the cage. You know, I, you know, they forced Bisping to talk to him, but that, that man just looked like he needed a hug. And it was, <laughs> was kind of hard to watch. Because he just was in, he was exhausted, he was in disbelief, he was disappointed, and so you, you feel for him. But even he said it, you know, I'm young, 
there are going to be more options. And did he make a great impression? Did he make a great name for himself? Yeah, he did. So, you know, look, MMA, everybody loses. And if you're going to lose, this is this is one of the better ways to do it, where you fight your heart out and everyone remembers your name. Oh, for sure. I I think so. I think that, um, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. It's like, bro, I just brought it for 25 minutes and I couldn't get that decision. I know. I feel a little down too, like... After all that. After all that. He's like, not enough? You know, it reminds me a little bit of Dominic Reyes, John Jones. How Reyes just, ah, just, it was, it came down to those later rounds, right? Yeah. Reyes, and he looked so good, and he didn't look bad in the last 10, 15-ish. Yeah. But sometimes that's just how it goes. Um, Gamrot, look, I mean, uh, they were both ranked, ironically, outside the top 10. This is kind of their... Let's be honest. Uh, everyone, like, essentially the top eight is all stars. Like, I mean, Conor McGregor is still ranked like six or seven. Mm-hmm. But then you got Tony, Chandler, Justin, Dustin, Charles, Islam, Benil. Did I say Chandler? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you get what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. all freaking killers, eight to eight to one. So really, like, being number 11 in the lightweight division isn't like a knock on anybody especially with how fluid that top five always is. Um, he said he wants to fight Justin Gaethje. I'm not going to lie. After Saturday night, give me, I'm here for it. Let's get yes. crazy. That's it was a great call out, yeah. Some damage kind of fight. I, I, I'm, I'm with it. Um, look, who, wherever they go, whoever they go with, um, uh, look, the winner of RDA, Rafael Faziv. I mean, that might feel like a step back for those guys after their fight uh, next week. But really, like, why not also? It really depends what the UFC is looking to do. Like, does Michael Chandler get the Connor fight? Um, do they make Benil versus Islam? There's so many factors. If Alex Volkanovsky wins on Saturday, does he get a title shot? I mean, you know, it's all so fluid right now. I don't think that they're going to... Excuse me, they're going to have a concrete decision for a minute. But that being said, they, Gamrot's in a great spot going forward. I'd like Justin Gaethje, but really, let the dominoes fall. We'll find out soon. Um, moving on, uh, looking at the rest of that, I mean, look, th- there was a lot going on, but we had a whole other fight card. Bellator 282, we had... Let's just say it. The arrival of Johnny Eblen. And, you know, I believe he had gotten a win over John Salter. And uh, I've said it, you've said it. Whatever it is, the Bellator middleweight division is like the one, them, that one in the lightweight division is like the one for all the growth that Bellator has made, just has never been able to pick up and. Pick up steam. Uh-huh. It's just Musasi, and then it's everybody else. Yeah, and, and but and so I think that when you saw, you know, Musasi, you know, he he stops Austin Vanderford, who obviously, I'll say it, the Paige Van Zant connection, the Contender Series stuff, and then you have Johnny Eblin, who, let's be honest, he felt like just the next man up. He didn't really, people weren't talking about this fight, and for twenty five minutes, he just gives Musasi the business. Uh, Musasi had the jab, Eblin had everything else, he was landing strikes, he was doing damage, he cracked Musasi early, 
He was getting takedowns. He was keeping him down. Musasi wasn't able to really initiate offense off of his back. None of that. Uh, um, just a very, I'll say it, it was a complete beatdown for Johnny Eblen. Secures the unanimous decision, secures the middleweight championship, and Musasi comes up just short. He does not get win number 50. It's not to say he can't do it, but it, it was hard to look at Friday and not feel like you were seeing a bit of a changing of the guard. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. The The manner in which Musasi was defeated, you know, it wasn't a lucky punch, uh, you know, lucky knockout. It wasn't a back and forth. It was, as you put it, uh, a, a beat down. He got, the, he got the business. And, uh, and so you ask yourself, okay, was this just, you know, a fight camp that was too close to the previous fight against Vanderford? Maybe, um, Musasi needed a break, a little more time. Was it the weight cut that he, you know, reportedly had to lose 24 pounds in a day? that's pretty major is it the age is it just losing interest you know because he always kind of seems a little bit not in the cage but if you interview him if you see his interviews doesn't he always seem a little disinterested <laughs> so who knows but in any case is it a changing of the guard is the question right there's so many there's so many factors into into trying to figure out why musasi performed the way he did underperformed um too soon to tell, but it could be, you know, the, it was a pretty complete domination. And so when that happens, it's either that a fighter com- completely fell off in Musasi's case, or just tired, didn't have the same drive and energy in the fight camp to put it all together, but we'll be back looking good the next fight. So we'll see what happens, but it's a good shakeup for Bellator. And it's a good win for, for Johnny Eblen, who, yeah, was just seemingly another person in line against the big name, one of the big names at Bellator, Gagard Musasi. Yeah, so I think my biggest thing coming out of that was that, um, full credit to Johnny Eblen. I mean, he did what he wanted to on the feet. He did what he wanted to on the mat. And yet, like you said, I mean, you look at how many years, I mean, they made a big deal about King Mo being in Johnny Eblen's corner out of top team. It's been like, I believe, more than 10 years since King Mo beat Gega Musasi to win a title. And they made a big deal about that, largely by wrestling. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, it's like, was this just the clock striking midnight for Gegard? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to say, like, this isn't the... He's washed, he's done, it's been a good run time for Musasi. But now he kind of has to show us that. And you have to acknowledge the obvious. He, you know, they're only younger anymore, right? For Gegard? Yeah. It did make me wonder some things. And, you know, let's say it. People have said it um, a lot. It just feels like Bellator... Some of it is not their fault, like Rumble and everything else. You know, they signed him, he gets one fight, and we haven't seen him in over a year, I believe. Stuff like that. But then there have been other times. And I've seen it, people discuss it online, and they're like, okay, well, Bellator needs more of this, they need more of that. You know, like, I don't want UFC cast-offs, I want to see new stars. And it's like, what do you want? You want recognizable names? Okay, do you want someone... And I get it. You feel like perception, 
if they're not in UFC, UFC didn't feel like they were worth keeping. You don't feel like they're always worth watching and unfair as that it sounds. I feel like a lot of fans take that mentality. Uh, to me, when I saw this, I was like, should Musasi have just waited to fight the uh, the Grand Prix winner, like the rematch between Vadim and Corey Anderson? Should they have just, for example, call it macaroni, make the fight with Yoel Romero, and we just get this big fight? Doesn't matter merits, doesn't matter win streaks, none of that. We just make the biggest fight with the biggest names, and it's still competitively still viable. Should we have just done that? I'm going to just say it. In hindsight, Natalie, I feel like that would have been the right decision. I felt like Bellator just made the decision to play the long game and it did not pay off for them. What about you? Well, I'm not so sure because Gegard Musasi is still a big name. This loss of the title doesn't, you know, in the Bellator world, doesn't drop him down that much. And I think an opportunity to create a matchup between Musasi and Romero is still very viable. And I would say it's up to Musasi if he wants to go back in there against Johnny to try and get his belt back or, you know, ride off into the sunset with a couple of these big name, you know, looks good on the poster kind of fights. So if I'm Musasi now, I don't know if he's trying to make his way to retirement. I don't remember how old he is now, but I'm okay with, with, you know, Musasi moving in that direction. I think it's still exciting, enticing. Fans are still going to be into it. So I don't think that Bellator made the wrong, took the wrong path with Musasi. Like, it's actually good that he was able to, you know, get the belt. I think he, did he win it back? Or this is the, 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 the um, division where he lost it and won it back? Uh, yeah, remember, yeah. he lost it to Lovato Jr., but he won it back, um, I believe, against... Rory or Douglas Lima? Right. Okay. Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima. Yeah, so, like, that's a great story. Like, he's already done it twice in Bellator. He can try it again or do these fights that you were talking about with the, the bigger names that Bellator acquired from UFC. So I don't think they did anything wrong here. I think letting him be the champ, get that cred was great, and now he can do the other fun stuff if he chooses. I, I think, I guess, big picture... If you were willing to, I, I think, I think what you're getting at is belt or no belt that it still has the same watch value. Yeah. Which I guess that's fair. I guess, you know what, Bellator works in a different way than UFC does. I think that if you're going to watch it before, you would still watch it now mentality with Bellator, which, you know, maybe that's to their benefit, even if you feel like that's. That almost feels like an insult to say, and I don't want it, but I feel like that's the position they're in. Um, Personally, I feel like I want it to be the biggest fights when it's the most on the line. I think that adds that extra for them, but, you know, I definitely see your argument. I want to ask you, with that, you had now, you know, an, an interesting thing. Danny Sabatello. Look, I get it. It feels like if you're making noise but you're not in UFC it's like the tree falling in the forest this dude was saying all the right things and then he backed it up with a great performance against Leandro Higo five rounds uh throws down the gauntlet at Rafian Stotts who's now the interim champion in the Grand Prix 
he was saying that Stotts is the real champ. I don't even care about Sergio Pettis. He was saying some things that I was like, okay, say it with your chest, Danny. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I appreciate it. Um, Magomed Magomedov, he got a win. He's going to be taking on Patchy Mix now. All of it is to say we have a very good setup for semifinals. Yes, semifinals uh-huh. of the Grand Prix. The problem, Bellator, I think, isn't even back for like another month. And it just, we were on a roll where we're having more consistent events, more or less. Not every week. We weren't on UFC frequency. But I, I couldn't help but see this. People seem to forget about Bellator since their last show. And I get it. It's been like a month. Once again, it was Musasi versus the next man up. Do you feel like we are now reaching a point where this is starting to really hurt Bellator, the infrequency of events? It's possible, but this is where it gets tricky, right? Because you hear a lot of people still griping about UFC having too many events, and they pretty much occupy every Saturday night in the in the year, right? 52, 52 Saturdays. It's and, like three out of four Saturdays of the year have UFC. Yeah, have a UFC fight. And a card, yeah. And even if it's a card you don't care too much about, it seems like people are more likely to watch those than a brand new glossy Bellator fight, which, you know, there are no, there really aren't levels to Bellator main cards um, like there are to UFC, right? There's the pay-per-views, the fight nights, and then there's the fight nights on location, the apex, like there's all kinds of stuff. For Bellator, it's like they put as many eggs as they can in one basket, make a fight card. Then there's another month or so goes by, they put as many eggs as they can in the basket, put on a fight. Um, I think if they were if they were coming around more often, you know, every two weeks or so, it would it would start watering things down. And I just don't think they can. They're in a position to do that. So I'm still okay with the with the once a month or so intervals from Bellator. I think that's the smarter play considering what they're up against with the UFC. I think the trick is how do you market yourselves? You know, look, they have to do something different. And I don't know the answer. Of course, it's easy for me to say, do something different, Bellator. But there's got to be something that can get more eyeballs that they can do. And I don't know what that magic formula is but but it's not going to necessarily come from the fighters or the highlight reels uh, from you know exciting moments that occur in a in any given fight card it's got to be something bigger they have to find a way to make their brand bigger and i have no idea what the answer is but that's the only way i see them getting out of this because the fights are good you know i mean we the musasi evelyn fight was really good Rafian Stotts going in the cage like shouting at um, Sabatello. Sabatello, man. Yeah. That was like, okay, that was exciting. That made me think of Daniel Cormier and um, Brock Lesnar, right? Like, I mean, you know, different levels, but I was like, okay, this guy came to play, right? Like, he, he's trying to really get people amped up about it. And how many folks saw that? You know, I, I don't know. Um, what kind of marketing thing can they do? Is it a gimmick? I don't know if they need a gimmick like they were doing in the old days to, to build themselves up like that worked right to get them to this level. Yep. The, the, what's the guy's name? I can't remember his name. The one Scott? that used to fight with Masvidal. Uh, 
um, the Kimbo. Kimbo, yeah. thank you very much. Like starting out with the Kimbo stuff that people call the circus, and they brought back Hoist Gracie and uh, Shamrock, and like the, you know they were doing these things to to use real veterans, mega veterans to build to the next level of younger veterans, and and you know moving on. So look, they have a formula that worked. They've got to do something else now. I don't know what it is, but but they got to get creative, and and they have to start maybe going to the schools, uh, gyms, uh, and, you know, just trying to attract a different spread crowd. Spread the word TikTok. of Bellator. Yeah, something to spread the word, man. TikTok, I hate saying that because I don't even use TikTok, but, like, they got to get creative. They got to get different. You know, that there's that baseball team. Have you heard about the banana, banana-ramas or something? I do, have not. Okay. There's some <laughs> cool baseball me. team out there, <laughs> the banana sluggers or something. I don't know what they're called. You can Google it. And, like, they, during their games – they're dancing on the field. They're doing these choreographed, like pitching things where like the entire outfield will start dancing along with the pitcher. And then the pitcher throws the ball. Everyone in the crowd is dressed in banana suits. Like it's this whole crazy, I don't know if it's double A, triple A. I have no idea what, what level of, of baseball we're talking here. It's not MLB, but anyway, they're doing something kooky and it's getting them attention. People are driving from all over the country to go see their games. Bellator can't do something like that, but they have to do something different, something different. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe I should I should work on a business plan for them. What do you think? So uh, I want to acknowledge that, like I said, there are things that they decision making they've been in control of. There's things out of their control. Um, so for one, like, OK, look, I'll say it's divisive. Some people agree with me. They should have gone with another direction with Musasi, for example. They should have tried to go for this or that off the bat. Okay. There are other things not in their control. For example, the word on the street is that Showtime, even though they work with Bellator, it's not really their priority as much as it is growing their boxing. And quite simply, I I don't know what, if it's just a matter of like, hey, conflicting this Friday night, Saturday night, you know, where are the dollars going in terms of running commercials, etc. But what I understand is that boxing, the boxing side at Showtime is getting way more love than Bellator. And it's not just about budget and all that. It's just where they, you know, who's, okay, you got a guy, you have two girls. Which one, which girl does the guy want to talk to in the end? It's just what it is. I don't know what else to put it. They're both in his school. They're both there for him to talk to, but he just is choosing one. I don't know another way to put it. It just Bellator from what I'm hearing isn't the main chick at Showtime. It's the side piece and that hurts to say because Bellator is a perfectly great woman that anyone would be happy to have. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying really hard. I was like, I have a great metaphor in here. How do I really get it across? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how else to say it. They're just not getting the love in their own house. Yeah. Um. That's not Scott Coker. That's not the matchmakers. That's not the fighters. They can't do anything about that. <sighs> they do a lot. I think, though, without a doubt, it's going to come down to spending some big money and make something happen. Jake Paul's MMA debut sell the house on it, all in, make it happen. That's the only way this works, I think, because right now it's just kind of, 
you kind of hope the cycle comes back around again. Um, real quick, Katzengano, she dominates Pam Sorensen. Cat, uh, okay, I'm not gonna lie, this is probably the most entertaining part of the fight and had nothing to do with Pam. Cat comes out, she finally makes her first statement. Everyone's like, "Well, what happened with the cyborg fight?" The the narrative was she didn't want it. Cat says, "I was never offered cyborg." I said. Before I got here, if we are going to do a cyborg fight, I want more testing because I essentially want it to be fair. Uh, same thing, Jermaine Durandamy. You'll remember mm-hmm. she kind of yeah. said a little bit of similar stuff back in the day, like four years ago. Um, say, to put it bluntly, um, Kat Zingano says she wants more testing. She knows that's the fight to make. I think everyone does. Uh, not for nothing, Chris Cyborg responds and says, essentially, Kat, how many losses have you had since you started going through USADA compared to me? And I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Once again, say it with your chest. <laughs> <laughs> um, All of that made for a more interesting thing. But now I'm hearing Chris Cyborg talking about fighting Katie Taylor in boxing. Talking about all this other stuff, and I was like, not that she can't still fight Cat, but the more I see this, Chris Cyborg is about to hit free agency. She told Ariel Hawani, if we do a fight with Cat Zingano, the time to make it on my old contract is done. The only way it's happening is if I sign a new contract with Bellator. She can do that. She could wait to re-sign with Bellator. She could go box. She could do a one-off with PFL fight Kayla Harrison. She could come back to Bellator after the fact. There are so many things she could do right now. I'm going to just ask you, ultimately, do you think in the big picture we will even see Cyborg versus Zingano? Knowing fully well Cyborg has two options on the table, possibly making the Katie Taylor fight and definitely being part of the pay-per-view with Chris, sorry, with Kayla Harrison next year. Do we see that fight if if it's... Like, will um, it happen in general? Does the crystal no, ball no, say... No, I don't think so. I think Katsunganu, you know, she she dug her heels in the ground. She, you know... She, Missed that, the boat. That's the, that's the hill she wanted to die on as far as Cyborg goes. And that's fine. I can understand that. Um, but if I'm... But just based on the way Chris Cyborg responded to her, and if I'm Chris Cyborg, I'm like... Eh, I don't need to beat you to secure legendary status. Um, Bellator lets me box, whether I'm with them or not. You know, like whether, you know, that's how I say it. Whether I, I'm still like a brand new contract with them or just at the end of one, um, you know, I have that option. And I know if I'm Chris Cyborg and if I'm Scott Coker, like, okay. Like, go do your thing. If you want to box and then do a one-off with PFL to fight Kayla Harrison, great. You're going to be an even bigger name, um, and we'll bring you back to Bellator. At that point, I could see Cyborg saying, okay, if Zingano's next in line, sure. But I'm not – I'm Chris Cyborg. I'm not going to go out of my way to, to give this woman a fight uh, who's making all this hay. Again, I'm actually – you know, I understand Zingano's perspective here. Um, I was reading something in the comments of one of the articles about this that said, like, the effect of whatever Cyborg used in the past, that's already baked, right? Like, it's it's baked in. So, like, 
you know, I don't really know people, you know, she was in the UFC for a, a long time during the, already the USADA era. Like, I don't really think there's anything going on anymore, but, you know, to say, almost to say the damage has been done already. So, like, for Zingano to die on this hill is a little strange because, like, she's not getting some kind of crazy advantage over you at this stage in her career, but okay, you know, whatever you said it, you put it out there. Now it cannot be unsaid. And Chris Cyborg didn't like it. And so she's not going to go out of her way to make a fight for you. So I don't think we're going to see it unless Cyborg after doing whatever she wants to do circles back to Bellator and they tell her this is the person next in line. Cyborg, I don't think is going to go out of her way to fight her. I know that um, Leah McCourt also said she's not been tested in Bellator, and she's someone who's had several Bellator fights. I mean, one, that's a little alarming. Um, Two, you know, if you ask me right now, do I think it'll happen? I'm going to say 30-70. 30 being the yes, 70% no. And I'll tell you why. They just missed the boat. It should have been cat, not... Uh, Arlene Blanco mm-hmm. uh, about a month or so ago, yeah, two months, and um, now the timelines are now off because now really it comes down to whether or not Cyborg wants to stay active and how much does the money mean to Chris? How much does the how much is she worth to Bellator? Are they willing to break the bank again to sign her? Because even though she'll keep the boxing. She loses the Kayla Harrison payday because you mm-hmm. know that's got to be a play that the PFL is going to make. And now this is on Cyborg. How okay? It's June. Kayla has three more fights this year before we could even talk about PFL pay per view. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, are you saying you're going to wait about a year from now, at least nine, ten months, eight, eight to ten months? Okay. Um, keeping in mind it's already been a month and a half-ish since your fight. Is PFL going to pay you what you feel you are worth to be the B-side to the Kayla Harrison pay-per-view? Okay, all of those are questions she may not even have an answer for yet. Let's say it. Kayla Harrison might lose one, two, or three of these fights. Anything could happen in MMA. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things are not going to get answered for a while. But now it's on Cyborg. Do you want to wait for that? Do you run the risk that the fight loses its value before you even get there? Do you want to have that long of a layoff? All of that. And yes, how much does it even mean to you to fight Cad Zingano at this stage of the game? For Bellator, do you feel like this Chris Cyborg is worth you paying what she is worth? What you think she might be able to bring to the company at this stage of the game? All of those are questions that need to be answered before we say... Hey, let's put pen to paper, cat versus cyborg. I don't think there's an easy answer. What I will say is that if cyborg chooses to stay active in MMA, Bellator has to open the checkbook again. Uh-huh. If not, I could see cyborg saying, we've had a good run. Kayla, I'll see you when I see you. I'm going to go box Katie Taylor who's red hot after that Amanda Serrano fight that they had at MSG. Yeah. And let's do it. But I will say the timelines have now passed for this to be a priority to Cyborg. Just 
she's kind of like Nate Diaz. There's now finally bigger stuff on the table. Yeah. You don't even need to be in MMA anymore. You didn't. You don't have to be in the house anymore to get the payday. Exactly. I'm with you. Yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of PFL uh, and Kayla Harrison, Julia Budd out of the fight. Oh. Now Caitlin Young is in against Kayla Harrison. Um, undisclosed injury for Julia. Young... I'm going to just say it bluntly because everyone else sees it. It's like that elephant in the room. Young is 12 and 12. Oh, Lord. And for context, Young is on a two-fight skid. She was uh, Bud's debut for PFL last October. Mm -hmm. And then earlier this year, she fought, uh, I believe, yeah, it was earlier this year, I believe, Mariana Moraes. Young, to my knowledge, I don't even think Young is in the tournament. So once again, it's kind of like Ray Cooper, Carlos Leal. It's kind of like, okay, you throw in fresh blood, but only one of them is even earning points. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's my thing. Obviously, it sucks, and Kayla can only fight who they find for her. I mean, yes, you could have thrown a Jenna Fabian, Larissa Pacheco, but it's, you know, I, l- let's be honest. There was a reason why people were excited about this with Julia. Is different fighter, yeah. Exactly, and it's it's someone who is so much more proven. If mm-hmm. Kayla's gonna be a featherweight, let's say Julia's like a top three featherweight in the world. Yep. With Amanda, Chris, most most people would say Julia is right there. That's it, yeah. Until Kayla fights one of those bigger names. Okay, Caitlin Young is Caitlin Young. Okay, the fight's gonna happen. Anything could happen, but we both know what we expect to happen. You, we're about to get so much UFC overload this Saturday. Between, let's be honest, Wednesday onward, it's going to be all UFC 276 and Hall of Fame. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot going on for me this week. Uh, I'm going to be there. Let me tell you, they have a lot planned. Got a lot of exciting things coming. And you're running Kayla Harrison this Friday. You spend millions of dollars, and I get it. It kind of matches the schedule. You know, the lightweights were last... Uh, in the la- first half of the regular season, they're going to re- be last before the playoffs. Natalie, they spent so much money, and it feels like Kayla Harrison's going to get lost this Friday. Do you feel like they made the right move, or should they have said, Kayla, we're going to have you fight one week earlier this past Friday, as opposed to this coming Friday now with Caitlin? They should have had her fight a week earlier. I agree. Or I don't know if that's how, where your stance is. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. That's what I'm trying asking. to say, yeah. But I think they should have made her fight a week earlier. There's just too much noise. International Fight Week is the biggest MMA event in the year, right? And, like, there, it, it, it makes sense when it's, like, when WrestleMania's happening, other wrestling promotions are in the same city and putting on shows on, like, Thursday, Friday. And that that what that creates is a just a great week for fans to watch a lot of wrestling, all the different you know companies that they like. Yes. But that's not working here. I mean, unless unless PFL, unless Kayla Harrison's fighting in Vegas, which please correct me if I'm wrong. No. I don't think she is. Atlanta. That's what that's the only situation where it would make sense is if they booked her Friday to fight in Vegas. Fight fans are already there. Now they get to watch PFL first, and then. UFC 276 on Saturday. Okay, I like that. Not this. This is silly. They should have done it a week before. Like, 
and made a big splash about it, put all their money in, Kayla Harrison's fighting, and blah, 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 blah. But, like, maybe they got intimidated because Bellator, maybe it's just like a handshake deal where PFL and Bellator won't go on the same nights. But, hold on, doesn't PFL do Thursdays? No, well, this regular season has been a Friday. It's been Fridays, okay, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so... So, so maybe there's some kind of, you know, gentleman's agreement. We won't fight on your fight night. And nobody dares compete with UFC on Saturdays. Um, it could be that. But then, I don't know, man. Figure something out. Because this just seems like either they didn't care and they just had their heads in the, in the sand and were like, well, this is what we did last year. Or they realized that there was potentially a, a mismanagement of scheduling, but we're kind of just like, well, screw it, it's too late. Um, because you can't compete with International Fight Week. You just can't. I'm going to say we're going to have to address it on next week's show, but let, let's be very honest. When you're looking out for PFL on social media, where is their buzz level? Are people? Because I'm not going to lie. Um, it was brought up. Bellator and PFL essentially started at the same time on Friday. PFL had like two fights in the span that... Sorry, PFL had like... Yeah, sorry. Two fights in the span that Bellator had like four, almost approaching five. Wow. Their pacing is horrendous. It is, it is. And they... I I don't know if it's just... Honestly, it just uh, feels like any more just... Schedule them all closer and just expect it to be a quicker show. Mm-hmm. And if you run late, you run late. Send it. Send the people to ESPN Plus. I don't know what else to tell you, but really, it, it, it's getting it's getting uncomfortable with PFL, and Dude, they know they even, got to address it. Yeah, even re- like uh, if I I'm not watching it live often, like it takes forever to fast forward. I'm like, wait a minute, there's still not another fight. There's still not like yeah. I'm, at, I'm like at 126, uh, you know, times speed, and I still can't get to the Anthony Pettis fight. Like, okay, guys, y'all are, yeah, you need to rejigger your programming here. But I get, what I, my point of that, you spent all this money for Kayla because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, she's she's the lightning rod. Mm-hmm. She's the one bringing in more eyeballs than anybody else. Say, you know, let's say it like it is. And you're essentially saying you're biggest star and you're just kind of essentially choosing to forego her a week. You're essentially saying, you know what? We're going to run her, of all the fighters, we're going to run her on the week where we're not going to get attention anyway. Mm-hmm. It's UFC week. Let's say it like it is. Um, I, I want to see the level because I don't know if it's this thinking of, oh, well, I'm just so ready to watch MMA that I'll watch any MMA. I don't know if that works in this scenario. Uh, you know, and not to say that people are just going to watch Adesanya and Max and Alex replays until Saturday, but... I, I just want to know if their buzz level will even be there because really that would be the biggest faux pas. I think that uh, I just you spend all this money and it feels like no one's going to see her this Friday. Yeah, no, there I, will be no buzz level. I mean, it's just uh, especially now that the opponent has changed. Like you know, that's something that's out of their control. But like, yeah. okay, now what? Who, what are you going to sell me on now? You know, no, no thanks. I'm still going to watch, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, don't we all? But yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, moving on to the next one. I mean, look, like I said, it's fine. It is real International Fight Week. They are 
COVID is still a thing, but let's just be honest. They are breaking the doors down like it's not. They had the full convention. They have full Hall of Fame. About the only thing I think is that the MMA awards aren't running this week. But essentially, I was there at the last International Fight Week. And let me tell you something. It was a party. <laughs> we, I mean, let me tell you. It, oh, okay. It was even, okay. Fight Island was not as exhausting. Oh, that is how crazy International Fight Week was, you know? Yeah. Um, look, uh, they've set it up. It's got a little bit of everything Wednesday through Saturday. But the biggest thing is that it all comes down to a really great card. And I, you know who's fighting, but the undercard, you got Robbie Lawler, Brian Barberena. You got Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner. You have Macy Barber, Jessica I. You've mm-hmm. got... Um, uh, now you do, okay just announced Donald Cer- well oh, yeah Donald Cerrone versus Jim Miller I was yeah. checking it got shuffled a bit in the order they're like the featured prelim on Saturday Donald Cerrone is now in Bobby Bobby Green withdrew for personal reasons not for nothing they're also bumping it up to 170 okay uh, the one thing they did lose Lauren Murphy is out of the fight with Misha Tate. Ariel Hawani says that finding a late replacement has been, a, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'm not going to lie. I feel like Misha, it, put it this way, they would have had to give her like Caitlin Chukagian. You would have had to have that happen on late notice, I think, for uh, Misha at 125. What if Shevchenko comes in and is like, I'll fight you with a broken foot? Bro, wouldn't that be... <laughs> that would be so gangster. Oh, my God. Have you seen her on IG? She's like freaking Hunger Games, like the new president. Like, seriously, in watch Kazakhstan? them. Or no, Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan, yes. Oh, my God. Go check her out on IG. <laughs> you need a... What? You, who do you follow besides me, Natalie? You I, gotta... <laughs> I just stare at you all day. You got I follow a lot of people. You know what happened to my feed? I had a kid. And so now it's all baby stuff. It's all baby stuff. (laughs) It's like Parents Magazine. It's like what to feed your toddler, how to deal with tantrums. I'm like, put it back. But I just keep missing important fight stuff. Put it back on your favorites. She's got a really awesome feed. (laughs) I used to check it out. I was like, let me tell you something. If the apocalypse hits tomorrow, Valentina already looks like the president of the... Is this the horse thing? <laughs> the oh, my survivors. goodness. I'm looking at it now. You see what I mean? Wow. This, you see what like... you're missing? <laughs> That's fabulous. I love whatever she's doing. She's like the president <laughs> of the survivors after the apocalypse. The oh warrior gosh, queen totally we need. Is... Yeah. This is hilarious. This is nature. Traditional dress. Horse. Feels good being at home. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, the fact is Valentina's is not coming in to save the day on yeah, Saturday. Maybe she'd ride it on that horse. That'd be pretty sweet. Oh my god. Anyway, um, look, I don't care when you come in to start watching. You should watch this one from the beginning. But if you don't, let's let me just tell you, you're gonna miss good stuff. Um, that pay-per-view card, uh, from the bottom up, it's like Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz, um. I have to double check. I'm not sure who's the other one. You obviously got Alex Pereira, Sean Strickland, which is another, let's be honest, that's a headliner any other night. And then um, let's start with the bottom up. Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky, number three, all the marbles. Alex won the first two. Both of them were competitive. Both of them were razor close. 
Most people tell you Alex edged out the first one. Most people will probably tell you they had Max in the rematch, but once again, it was a close one. Judges gave it to Alex to put him up 2-0. It feels like everything's on the line for Max. For Max, kind of feels like everything Volkanovski has built could be broken by Max if he loses. Mm -hmm. So, a lot on the line and not for nothing, probably two of the most skilled fighters on the roster going head to head. 1A and 1B in terms of that featherweight division. There's not 1 and 2. This is 1A and 1B. Um, I'm going to toss it to you. Just what are your thoughts on this fight? Oh, yeah. This is, look, you know, I'm on the max one, potentially two of both of those encounters, but but at least one camp. Uh, nonetheless, wasn't looking forward to a, a rubber match. Didn't actually see think it would happen, but, you know, they worked their way back to each other. And it makes sense now. They the, Like, this is true MMA math. Like, this adds up. We have the right rubber match um, here with Volkanovski and Holloway. And, you know, Volkanovski's just been looking so unbeatable with that short little stocky build, but still has long enough limbs uh, and enough power to get in, hurt you, and get out. He's, he's tricky. He, he moves side to side very well. But Holloway's just, just so cool, so chill, and the way he's been fighting lately gets me more excited for this third fight than I was for one and two. You know, Calvin Cater, that beatdown. You know, my favorite thing to do before we talk about a pay per view is to watch the countdowns, right? So I did, <laughs> I watched my, I did my due diligence, watched that countdown, and talk to me about I Max Holloway's <laughs> wife, Natalie. Talk yes, to me. How so are their, happy. They're their so significant happy. others? But that's not what I'm going to say. But yes, the beautiful <laughs> wedding, 400 people. That's amazing. Um, when he's fighting Calvin Cater and he starts like, if you remember from the fight, he starts talking to, you know, he's at somebody, Dana White, I don't know who, DC in the crowd there. And I didn't know what he was actually saying, but he's, this, they showed the, um, they, they provided the audio and he's saying like, count him up. I'm the best boxer. I'm the best, best boxer in MMA. And like, He's spitting blood. He's saying this to someone in the commentary section. He's saying it to Calvin Cater's face. Like, that's just, that's like tribal wartime, like, killer, right? And it's still super chill. It is what it is. You know, Max Holloway. Then you see him against Yaria Rodriguez where he's getting tested. This new version of him gets tested. And he's right there giving it to Yair. And they're both just, you know, showing the best of MMA on each other's faces and bodies. But Volkanovski is still that puzzle that he hasn't been able to solve emphatically, right? It just never did enough to make a judge think that he really beat Volkanovski. So what can he do now? Uh, he's he's going to have to. I think he's been working on it. I think that's going to be part of the keys to victory here is power. Like hit with a little more power. If you just pepper, 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 it's not going to be enough against Volkanovski because when he hits, it makes more of an impact. And stay loose. Max is really great at staying loose, being fluid. He has those long arms. He's creative. Those spinning back kicks to the body are very effective. I like to see more of that. It could lead to Volkanovski taking him down, but I'm not really worried about Max being able to handle himself there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Max Holloway has evolved after those two last fights, Cater Rodriguez. 
And then there's the personal, uh, psychological aspect of things like Holloway wants to get that belt back. Not just because he wants to be champion again, but because the person he lost the belt to has taken it away from him essentially twice. And you don't want to lose to someone three times in a row, right? Like that's, it's bad enough to lose your belt, but to lose three times in a row to the same person, man, that goes with you to your grave, right? So there's like a, a redemption angle here. And I think that's going to be the biggest factor in making Holloway fight his heart out to the very end. He's not going to lose to Volkanovsky for a third time. He is not going to go home to Hawaii. Um, like, it's almost like he doesn't care about the belt. I'm sure he does, but like, he's not going to go home to Hawaii having lost to this guy three times in a row. So I think we're going to see a killer in Max. I think he's going to do enough to stay away from big, powerful exchanges from Volkanovsky. And um, I'm kind of giving away my pick, kind of, pretty much, but I'm going to toss it back to you before I definitively tell you how I think this ends. I mean, when you talk about, okay, why are they fighting three times? One person won both of the last two. I mean, you watch what Max, like you said, what Max did to Calvin in that one. And then you watch what uh, Volkanovsky did to the zombie in April. And I'm like, this is just some wild stuff like th their level compared to everybody else what max did to brian ortega what alex did to brian ortega um uh, max's fight with yair the way that you know Ale alex took out chad mendez they both have wins over jose aldo it, it really is ridiculous the level that these two are on and they're just each other's perfect dance partner, right? That's what makes it so great. Uh, psychologically, that for Max, now, technical standpoint, the way Alex has been fighting. And I think that one thing we figured out is that for all of the prowess of Max, for all of the adjustments of Max, for all of the skill sets of Max, that bit of physicality... And yes, that technicality, that ability to not be there for as many shots as Alec, as Max tends to land on you. That has really been the difference in Volkanovski. When he connects, he hurts you just a little bit more. He's not there for to be hit as much as a lot of Max's old opponents are. And I think that that is what has been the difference on those scorecards in the end. Now, mind you, it's still a really close fight. Max still landed a lot on Alex both of those fights, um, particularly with kicks in the rematch, and he didn't fight him too bad the first time. But you once again have a very technical fight. I think to me, it is going to come down to who uses more weapons in 25 minutes. I think that if Alex could get the kicks working, maybe get a few takedowns going, do the same things, not be there to get hit as much, then he's most likely winning this fight. Same thing for Max. You have to, yes, all this best boxer in the UFC, you're going to have to come with the pistols, the shotguns, the automatics, <laughs> the rifles, the RPGs, every. Thing that you're able to select in Call of Duty. You need to have all of those weapons unlocked. 
and you need to go through all of them at some point in the fight, preferably consistently. Because I think that if you're just standing there trying to box with Alex when he's landing more with more weapons, that's where Max might fall into a bit of a deficit. Because he's so used to overcoming you over time, Alex is a different animal. I think that if Max, once again, go to the kicks, start throwing some knees, you know what, try to take him down a few times if he's not expecting it. Let's just ha- go crazy. All of this will add up in a fight of against a guy like Alex because they are both on such a high level. Who's going to get it done? Oh, honestly, okay. no, no, no. Honestly, I'm, I'll go first because okay. I, I'm, feeling my, I'm feeling myself after this breakdown. I gotta say, Max is fantastic. Max is a legend. Max is a living legend. Nothing ha- that happens on Saturday will change the fact that he is great. Not good, great. I think that stylistically, the weapons from Alex work better against Max than vice versa. And I think we've seen enough of that. It's still close. It's still good. But I think Alex's ability to use the punches and the kicks and maybe try to sneak in some takedowns, I think he's just going to be a little more effective in getting them done. <sighs> I don't want to split. I want to, I'm want i going to manifest a unanimous decision. for. You know what? Let's go crazy. Split decision. Volkanovski. Okay, okay. I've never predicted a split decision in my say- life. You never predicted that's split. how close I'm gonna that's how close I think it's gonna be again <laughs> all right all right I like what you said a lot actually because I can't disagree with and I should say not because and I can't disagree with most of it for all the great attributes that Max Holloway has the legendary status he already you know carries with him Volkanovsky is a different animal there's just something about the way he moves that like low sneaky powerful fast like it's all these different adjectives in one that being said um i really truly believe max holloway is going to go like deep warrior on this and he's going to find a way to pull it out because he's not going to lose to this guy a third time it's just not going to freaking happen and so it's going to go the distance they're going to bleed their hearts out and max holloway is going to win you know I'm not going to copy you, but I think that makes more sense. I'm just going to say by decision. But, yeah, based on how we're we're fixing this fight to go, it's probably going to be a tough one for the judges to pick a winner. Um, but but I'll, I'll go just, you know, just I'll just say decision. Max is going to win by decision. Call the split, you chicken. Oh, <laughs> call it, I just don't want to copy you. It's not a chicken, but okay, fine, I'll copy you. Nice. Max is going to win by split decision, too. I um, smell chicken. Just because, <laughs> all, like you just you just know it's in the air. This fight's gonna it's gonna go there. It's gonna be like, oh shoot, who won? Who won? You know how we and, said, oh, like Wei Li and Joanna can't go the same way. I, I was like, no, it's probably not gonna play out the same. This one's gonna play out the same. This one's gonna play out the same. Yeah. There we go. Oh, let's get right into it. Israel Adesanya, Jared Cannonier. Every time, like, I do articles about Adesanya and where he's at, I'm just like, dude, like, I'm writing the same thing, like, okay, who are the best middleweights besides him? 
Marvin Vittori, Robert Whitaker. He's now beaten them both twice. Yeah. He beat Paolo Costa. He got Yoel Romero. Um, he tried to go up and win the belt. Didn't go his way. Oh, well, he came back. He's won two. He's just on a roll at 185. You talk about best talent we've ever seen at middleweight. And it's not even like hyperbole. And mind you, the GOAT Anderson Silva was a middleweight. That is how wild it is watching just how good. What I loved about his performance against Robert Whitaker, he was not being patient. He was taking that fight to Rob. And he was still being elusive. And he's not there to get hit. And he's just... I say this sometimes. He made it look easier than it was. He made it look easier than it should have been. Because we all know just how good Robert Whitaker is. How motivated he was to get that one back. And then you have Jared Cannonier. And I think the thing... its You always talk about the intangibles. Like he used to be like a flight engineer or something. He had a really big job. He had a nice high paying... I don't want to say cushy job because he works hard for it. And you have to be smart. But the fact is... He quit a really good job to be all he could be in MMA. Fought in three weight classes and then here he is. And he's dropping dudes like Derek Brunson. Like Jack Hermanson. Uh, you know, to name him. Uh, Gastelum? And did he be Gastelum? He did be Gastelum. I was trying to think of his finishes. Oh. Um, you know, Anderson Silva, although that was a bit of an injury yeah. deal. But you you get my point. He has been on a roll too. You, this is everything he's worked for. This is why he quit that job is to win this kind of fight against an opponent like Adesanya. And that's what makes it so much fun. Um, yes, they are very polarizing in their styles. You kind of feel like Adesanya. He, he knows what he is great at. He will get in. And he will get out and he does not care. He is ready to light you up at his range, not yours. Then in Jared, you know what he could do. You know he's durable. You know that he can step through the fire a little bit to get to you. It's just going to be about using more of those weapons early. You got to slow down a guy like Adesanya. You got to be able to walk him down. You got to surprise him. Blahovich, I think, shocked Adesanya with the takedowns. Jared can't be afraid to try to set up these things because you really are essentially hoping that Adesanya is going to zig instead of zag when you decide, hey, I'm just going to throw with him at mid-range and I'm going to just catch him. Yes, obviously that can happen, but really when you're up against a technician who doesn't leave those openings often in Israel, it, it becomes that kind of ball game. So... All of that is to say we have a really good fight on our hands. How do you see it? How do you like it? We do have a great fight on our hands. Adesanya, look, I was thinking about when Adesanya fought Silva, Anderson Silva, it's like, you know, water versus water, right? They're both sort of mirror images of each other. They're, they can punch you. They can knock you down with a punch that doesn't even look like it was thrown very hard. They just have a mastery of the chi. They can, you know, dulcum you. And that was like-minded styles. Adesanya Cannonier is, you know, water versus like a, a, a boulder, a rock. You know, Cannonier is the rock. He's just muscular as heck, powerful as heck. And he's not, 
stiff and and um, you know unflex inflexible. He does have um, good movement, but really it's the power. That's that's the thing that's gonna that's gonna finish you when you fight Cannoneer if you give him that opening. So to your point, Adesanya is just such a superior um, offensive and defensive fighter that he's not usually there to be hit. He, you can get, you know, he can get grazed, but so many times he's bending backwards at the waist, you know, matrixing, uh, slipping a shoulder, slipping the, turning his head, and, and things are just grazing. So if that out of sign is still there, you know, Kennedy is going to have a hard time finding the chin, finding uh, a body part to hurt. But if he can manage to not get hurt too bad by too badly by Adesanya and just like commit to trying to find that opening, I think he can find it. He's got hurting bombs, and I think he can find that opening and and capitalize on it. You know, I don't know what the odds are. They're probably in Adesanya's favor. That that would make a hundred percent sense. And I hear what you're saying. Adesanya is just you know leagues above most other people. But Cannonier scares me. He just looks like a scary dude. And the muscles, and when you see the transition from heavyweight to light heavyweight to middleweight, it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is your true your true weight class. This is where you're shining, where you can really put it all together. And I think he's going to be able to do that. So I'm, I'm picking Cannonier to beat Adesanya. I know that's shocking, but I am going to go ahead and, and stick to my guns here. I'm picking him to beat Adesanya. If they go the distance, Cannonier cannot beat Adesanya. So it's got to be a finish. I think it's going to be round four TKO. It's like that, huh? Yep. It's like that. It is. It's going to be like that. Nah, I'm just having fun. Sorry, um, I, I take it back. Round three. Round four is getting into deep water there. I think round three. It'll have uh, a little on the early side. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? You know what? Um. Honestly, I uh, I'll say like the way that Adesanya came in to that fight with Rob in in February. I I, I love watching Robert Whitaker. I like his vibe. I like his style. Yeah. Um, you asked me like if I had to name like my top five favorites, Whitaker's one of them. I just felt like. Kind of like Dustin Poirier has the right sauce. Uh, Adesanya's been reading the right anime. <laughs> um, he, he just uh, felt that vibe. I feel a little... And maybe this is drinking the Kool-Aid in all honesty. But I feel like Cannoneer is... It's just like that wild thing could happen. Anything could happen out there. And it just feels like that unpredictability is higher here than it was against Whitaker. Um, I know, in all honesty, um, I, I was there when Whitaker beat Cannoneer on Fight Island. Mm. It was very... Um, just Whitaker's ability to get out, out of the way of everything. Yeah. And I, I know fully well that very similar things could be replicated again on Saturday. I do think that it's going to be harder. I think that Adesanya is going to really have to work for this one. But I think that stylistically, as much as I could see those hammers reaching out of Sonya, 
I think it's just going to be once again, you're going to see how great this guy is. And I think that it's just going to be what it'll be. Um, remember, he just had Carlos Olberg fight. He's going to have Brad Riddell, uh, Alex fight. He is essentially leading the charge for city kickboxing again. And it's going to be really sick. And I think he's going to just get the job done again. Don't have other words for it. That's how we're getting it. Um, I want a third round TKO too. <laughs> and now you will leave it at that. Third okay. round TKO out of Sonya. Uh, just a slow breakdown. Kept catching him. Kept, kept catching him. And kabang. I like it. I mean... I'm I'm sticking to my guns. You're sticking to your guns. What what does that mean? We're just gonna have a good fight. <laughs> it, it it is what it is, but yeah. Um, what's it called? Uh, looking at our schedule. I mean, we've got now. Hold on, the Battle of the Rafaels next week. Mm-hmm. Rafael dos Anjos, Rafael Faziv. You know what? That one is what it is. We we're supposed to get it earlier in the year. Someone's Rafael has got to go. I'm going to just leave it at that. Natalie, do you have anything else to add before International (laughs) Fight Week? Have fun. That's what I have to add. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, be on the lookout at Double G on TV. Uh, Media Day press conference. The Hall of Fame Radio Row. Very rare, unheard of for UFC. During the convention, I'll be there. The number of big names they are bringing to talk to us is absolutely ridiculous. You guys are not going to want to miss it. It may be my biggest week ever. And I've been through a lot. (laughs) I want you guys to be on the lookout at Double G on TV. On location, say hi, whatever you want to do. Until then, we'll be back next week. Take care.